This episode is marked for sensitive content. Please check content warnings in the episode description before listening. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This week on The Breakup Breakdown. So I call the doctor while he's supposedly there, and I say, hey, my boyfriend actually signed a release form for me to talk to the nurse. Could you just check and make sure it's up to date and on file? And she's like, ma'am, I'm, I'm sorry. We don't have a patient by that name. You said he was here this morning? I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, wow, you are a liar. You have fake cancer. And he's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Spoiler alert, she absolutely knew what she was talking about. Hey, what's up? It's Abby from The Breakup Breakdown. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. If this is your first time listening, this is the podcast that gets to the bottom of those messy breakups that you want to know more about. Like maybe it could be somebody that you follow on TikTok and you saw them post something kind of cryptic and you're like, oh my God, I wonder if they went through a breakup. You can always tag me at the Abby Murphy or if you want to submit a story tip, head to the episode description. You can find the submission form there. You can submit things you've seen on TikTok, people that you follow from Instagram from like, you know, high school, or it can even be your own breakup story. Whatever it is, we love hearing the story and getting some good lessons on along the way. So once again, that's in the episode description. And as always, if you want to jump to a certain part of the interview, you can find timestamps in the episode description. Hey, Heartbreakers, welcome back to another episode of The Breakup Breakdown. Thanks for tuning in. So this week, we've got a submission from someone who says that their ex lied about having cancer. Um, Wouldn't it be great if if this was the first time that this has come up on the podcast? But um, it's not. <laughs> well, I'll link that episode in the episode description if you want to check it out after this one. But before we get into the submission, every week we give a shout out to a different domestic violence shelter throughout the country. And this week we're raising awareness for the Center for Women and Families in Louisville. The Center for Women and Families helps victims of intimate partner abuse or sexual violence become survivors through supportive services, community education, and cooperative partnerships that foster hope, promote self-sufficiency, and rebuild lives. To find out how you can help out if you feel called to do so, you can find those details in the episode description. So into this week's submission, so I got tagged in a girl's video on TikTok where she was talking about all the crazy things that she did to out the weird things that her ex was doing. And I was like, first of all, this girl, she seems like she could be on a TV show. And then she brought up the fact that her ex was lying about cancer. And yeah, I did accuse you of faking cancer. And I did have you send me a picture when you said you were at the cardiologist and you might've drove to the cardiologist, took a picture of your truck in the parking lot. But when I asked you to send me a picture of the front desk, you sent me a picture of the front desk of the apartment complex you were at three blocks away from the cardiologist. And when I called you out on it, you turned your geotags off of your live locations when you send iPhone pictures. I tell people up front, don't lie to me. I deal with a lot of shit. I don't deal with liars. I won't lie to you and then they lie. And then they lie. 
I may have called all the doctors you have been seeing over the last three, four months and told them that you had signed a medical release form for me to speak with the nurse and gave them all of your information and asked to speak to them about your medical history. And they may have looked you up and told me you were not a patient there because they have never heard of you, your social security number, your phone number, or your address. They think shit funny and then I get hilarious. I may have faxed over a copy of the paperwork that you gave me with the doctor's name misspelled to the doctor that referred you and the doctor you were referred to. And both of them may have said that they never received or wrote that paperwork. So was I wrong about you faking cancer? You were faking cancer to hide a meth addiction. You're so crazy, you're so crazy, am I wrong? Um, I'm gonna go with no, because that's why we're here, because she agreed to come on the podcast and give us the full rundown as to what happened. So let's get all the details when we break down this week's. It's finally not a miserable temperature outside, which only means one thing, summer is coming up. And let's make one thing clear, there is Hibernation Abbey and there is Summer Abbey. And Summer Abbey likes to feel light and healthy. That's why I've been trying out meals from Factor. They've got meals shipped to your house that are super easy to heat up at a jiffy and you're probably like ew a refrigerated meal that must be so unhealthy and gross no i can confirm these are delicious and they have so many different options like calorie smart keto protein plus or vegan and veggie you can also add on more than 60 add-ons every single week like breakfast on the go lunch snacks and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long you get chef prepared meals on the table in two minutes with factors ready to eat meals so you can get back to doing what you love this spring and you don't have to clean anything up Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. If you're like me and the second you get home from work, you are ravenous. You are going to love these new meals I've been trying out from Factor. Factor has delicious, ready-to-eat meals that you can make in two minutes with pre-prepared chef-crafted, and dietitian-approved meals delivered right to your door. It's so convenient. I have like grocery store ADHD. Anytime I go to like Publix or something, I'm buying everything. And then I come home with no meals. Whereas Factor, it's all the meal prep done for you. You've got 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. If you want to get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go, head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off. Eating better is just one of the things that makes me feel better. And you know what also makes me feel better? Not having to clean up my kitchen when I just want to eat. This living alone thing is great until you realize you're responsible for all the cooking and cleaning around the apartment. And something that's been really helpful for me around mealtime is Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You've got over 35 different options to choose from each week, including Calorie Smart. Protein Plus and Keto. Each meal takes about two minutes to heat up and there's so many yummy options like pancakes, smoothies, and more. Also, you know I love an afternoon snack and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is also super flexible, so if you want to pause and skip for a couple of weeks, you can totally do that. Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off breakup met him through an ex it's a small town so him and one of my ex-boyfriends knew each other 
but he had just I had just got back from Europe. He had just come home from prison. So we were both back in town. I have a thing for the bad boys. It's embarrassing. I know. Anyway, so I messaged him and I'm like, oh, such and such didn't tell me you were home already. And he was like, oh, are y'all still together? And I was like, no. And it was in the middle of a tornado. So they didn't have any power at his house because the tornado had hit or the hurricane. And I was like, oh, well, just come over here. I have power. We can play video games. So he came to my house. We played video games. We met. We kind of started casually seeing each other. I didn't really like him that much at first. It was like real casual. And everyone was like, he's not your type. Like, what are you doing? He's so country. He's so redneck. Like, he's not you. And I was like, Ugh. I don't know. I'm just doing stuff. I don't know. I'm just for the plot. What was he in prison for? He had a warrant for like, I don't remember, like failure to appear or, or selling drugs or something. And instead of like when he got pulled over, like letting himself get arrested, he sent the police on a high speed chase through the middle of town until his CV axle broke on his truck and then he got arrested. Ah, yes, that's never good. OK, anyway, continue. <laughs> so. Ah. You didn't tell me you dated a felon. <laughs> I think all my exes are felons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he's not your type, and you're and people are like, why are you dating this dude? Yeah, they're like, this, what are you doing? I'm like, it's real casual. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, he was really pushy with it. Um, so he was really like, be my girlfriend, be my girlfriend. Like, I love you. And like, I had a house, and he was staying with his mom. So he would come over, and then he like wouldn't go away. <laughs> I'm like, you have to go home. And so then after like three months, he basically moved in because he kept slowly moving all his stuff over and then like never left. Um, so I just decided we were in a relationship at that point because he was always there. And <laughs> and that's kind of where we ended up at. And I, I never really liked him that much. I don't think I ever loved him. But when you are in a relationship with a narcissist, they the your brain gets so mushed and scrambled that you don't even know which way is up. So yeah, well, it also kind of just seems like this entire relationship just happened on accident. Like one day you woke up and you looked over and you're like, you've been here three months. Uh, <laughs> do you not have a place to go? Are you <laughs> like, do you need a you need an apartment? So he was like, I guess this is just my life now. I've got a girlfriend now and I've got a place to stay. Yeah, nobody falls in love faster than a man with, that needs a home. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when do things, I mean... I hate to say, when do they take a turn? Because it doesn't sound like things are off to a great start, period. <laughs> but at what point do things in the relationship start to dissolve? Well, he was basically living here after about six months. So I'd say, or after three months, I'd say after about six months, maybe seven, eight months, he started to get like kind of testy. Um, Cause you know, I don't know if you ever heard the analogy, like you can't put a frog in boiling water because then it's just going to hop out. But if you put the frog in the water and start boiling it, it'll burn to death. So he starts getting testy initially, like seven, eight months in, he starts kind of like popping off and being rude. And then probably about, I say probably about nine months in or so, I catch him cheating on me. I put all his stuff out in the yard. I put everything and I'm like, don't contact me. Don't talk to me. And I'm just done. And I, we have a lot of dirt roads around here. I'm riding dirt roads. I'm trying to clear my head. I'm riding around and listening to music thinking, he finds me on the dirt road, blocks my car, gets out, forces me to talk to him, is boohoo crying with his kids in the car with him, boohoo crying at my door, begging me for another chance. I'm just like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And then he starts showing up to my house. And he's like, I, I love you. Like, we have to be together. I didn't realize how much you mean to me. And basically telling me all the stuff I wanted to hear at that point. And I give him another chance. That's that's where I messed up. Give him another chance and things get better for maybe four or five months. And then after that, we just start fighting really, really, really bad. And it gets to the point where we're like screaming at each other and yelling. 
And then it gets to a point where he starts like breaking his things. Like he busted out his own windshield one time and he like broke his own phone one time. And I'm like, what a Looney Tune. And so he ends up at that point getting progressively worse. The night that he broke his windshield, he threw a key at me and it hit me so hard. It bruised me, left a key imprint in my arm. And he was like, oh, I didn't mean to hit you with it. And I was like, okay, well. And then slowly he starts breaking my things. And he would play it off like, oh, it was an accident, or oh, I was drunk. He drank a lot. So a lot of the relationship was him justifying his behavior, like, oh, I'm a mean drunk. Like, I got to stop drinking liquor. I'll just drink beer. Like, oh, I've got to stop drinking as much, yada, yada, yada. Well, probably about two years in is when it started to get to a point where he was, like, constantly breaking my stuff, or he would, like, shoulder check me when he walked by me if he was mad, or he would, like, give me the silent treatment or drive really fast, or, like, if I was sitting on the couch and he was sitting on the couch, he would use his leg and, like, nudge me over hard enough that I would fall off the couch, and he'd be like, oh, I was just kidding. And then, like, just, just physical things where he wasn't actually like beating me so then when I spoke on it I'm like hey this is abuse you're being abusive he'd be like um no I'm joking around and you're playing victim I can't help that you bruise like an apple and I'm like maybe don't hit me and I won't bruise he's like nobody hit you well I feel hit (laughs) um but anyway after that point we're like I don't know, two and a half years in. And he gets to a point where I'm like, this is miserable. Like, I I have to get out of this. And it's around Christmas time. And we had moved. We were living here for a while. And then we ended up moving to my mom's got a trailer nearby that we lived in for a while. And then I decided to try to escape and move to Spain and get away from him and start a new life. Escape? I totally agree. You go, girl. Get the fuck out of there. Why Spain? So uh, right before I met him, I had just graduated college and I'm backpacked Europe after I graduated. And so I had backpacked Europe for three and a half months and I fell in love with Spain. Loved it. Of those three and a half months, I think I spent like a solid month in Spain. I had all of Europe at my disposal. (laughs) I spent so much time in Spain. I came back and I always wanted to go back to Europe. And then when I kept applying to jobs, I found a job as an intern. It's basically called like auxiliares de converse something. Basically, you're a teacher for Madrid and you help as a like a helper for the English language for the schools. And so it was a year long internship. They give you like a stipend and you can live off of it, but it's not a lot of money at all. It's like you're you're in the trenches. So (laughs) I end up applying there. I get the job and I'm getting ready to go. And I'm like, I'm getting out of here. So I get my brother and my cousin to take over watching my dog. I've had her since I was 18. And I'm like, watch her. I'll be back. Like, don't let him keep her. And so I leave. I go to Europe. He had gotten a dog that I was really attached to during the course of this relationship. So I go to Europe. I'm in Spain. I am so brainwashed that I cannot, like, get rid of this trauma bond. Like, I can't shake it so i'm in europe and i'm so broke and i'm so sad and i'm not medicated i'm bipolar and i did not know at the time i thought i was just depressed and so i'm not medicated and it's just it's just awful like i have no support system no family like and i'm just miserable and it's cold and i hate the cold i'm so cold and (laughs) so i go in like september october of that year and the trauma bond was so bad he would threaten to like drown the dog and send me videos if i tried to break up with him And he would, like, threaten to leave her out in the woods and starve her to death if I didn't, like, if I didn't answer his calls. And then 
one night he threatened suicide. So I called my cousin. I was like, please ride over there and make sure he's okay. His mom said she went to check on him, but like, I'm not sure. She rides over there. His mom has not went to check on him. She lied to me. He's laying in the floor in his own throw up. There's broken glass everywhere. He's bleeding. The dog is walking on the broken glass. My cousin ended up cleaning up the whole house that night and like walking him to his bed and being like, lay down, go to sleep. And I just, the trauma bond was so strong that I couldn't shake it. And so I stayed four months in Spain. It was supposed to be a year. And I really messed up a good opportunity. I ended up um, breaking my contract. And when I came home for Christmas, I decided, and when I say I decided, I mean like I decided because I had a support system here and because I had family here and because obviously going to Spain didn't work to break the trauma bond, I decided to stay. But also when I came home for Christmas, he had bought me a car and was basically trying to bribe me into staying because I'd sold my car to fund moving to Spain. So I get back, I decide to stay, and I decided last minute, we like went to the airport and we stayed in the hotel in the morning of, I was just tired and I had like a 16 hours of flights to get back with my dog. And I was like, I don't feel like doing this. And things were going good with us for the two weeks that I'd been home. And so I just decided to stay. Well, five days after that, he takes me snowboarding in like South Carolina or North Carolina, somewhere up there. And that night was when I felt like my spirit break. I don't know how else to describe it. He just was so verbally abusive to me that night that I felt my entire spirit break. And I basically resolved like, okay, this is this is my life now. I don't know. Like, I don't know how else to get out of this. Like, this is just how it's going to be. And I was in the floor crying, begging him to stop. And he just would not. And he was not physical that night. He was just so hateful. And so ended up basically dealing with him most of the rest of that spring going into summer. And then we got into a really, really bad fight. I kept trying to leave him, but like it would be like for a day or two and he would stay in contact. And as long as I talked to him, he could manipulate me. And as long as he could manipulate me, I would cave every time. And I would, I would tell all my friends and family, like, I don't want to go back to him. And I don't know why I keep going back to him. I don't understand it. I can't figure it out. Like, I didn't know at the time what a trauma bond was. I didn't know what a narcissist was. Like, I didn't know any of that. And I was like, I don't want to go back, but I can't stop myself from going back. And I don't know what to do. So it was that summer. And he had finally got to the point where he had started to get more physical, where he would like shove me or, or throw things or break my things more. And that summer rolled around and I had a job and he was working. I don't remember where he was working, but he was working and he had just got a new truck. He had paid like $10,000 for it. And he was so excited new to us. <laughs> so, not a brand new truck, but the car he bought me for me to come home for Christmas, he got mad at me and threw the only set of keys we had out in the woods. And then a tree limb came during a hurricane and dropped on top of the car and it was convertible, completely crushed it. So then he traded like a four wheeler or a golf cart or something for a little silver beetle bug car. And when he traded for that, that was the car I was riding in because I still hadn't bought myself a car because I had sold mine to move to Spain. Beetlebug car I have. One day, we're in a really bad fight. He starts throwing all my clothes into a burn barrel. And so I'm like, no, no, don't do that. So I grab what I can and I throw it all in two suitcases and I load it up in the in the bug and I'm like, I'm leaving. And so he grabs one of my suitcases that's full of makeup. It had like $400 worth of makeup in it. I was so upset. It was all of my makeup, my entire collection. Snatches that suitcase. He's like, if you leave here, you're leaving without this. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'll... I'll just, I'll deal with it. Bye. And so I'm loading up the car to leave. And he, since that didn't work, he busted out all of the windows in that car before I left. He 
punched them all out and cut his wrist. He's pouring blood. I have blood all over me. Um, I have my bag. I'm in my pajamas, mind you. I have no bra, no shoes. I'm in like these skimpy little pajama shorts and a t-shirt. And it's cold. It's morning time. And I'm taking my dog and we're all, she's on a leash. And I'm like, you know what? I'll just take my chances. And I leave walking with that one bag. And I'm like, I'm done. So I leave walking and it's a small town and it's a, it's a neighborhood. So my friend's grandparents ride by on a golf cart and they're like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm just walking down to my friend's house. And I knock on his door and they're like, he's not home. Can we help you? And I'm like, I'm just trying to get to my brother's house. It's just down the road, which is the house I own. My brother was living here. And so they actually give me and my dog a rattle their golf cart. I'm covered in blood. <laughs> it's like a, it looks like the crime scene that it is. Yeah. So I get here to my brother's house and I'm so mad because I realized during the scuffle and me trying to stop him from, you know, busting out the car windows and everything, I fell. Like I tripped over a stump and fell and just with all the commotion and anyway I fell and when I fell my phone fell out of my back pocket and I did not realize so I get to my brother's house I have no phone so I have a Mac at the time I log in I can check my messages so I message him and I'm like give me my phone back and he's like I bought this phone for you for Christmas it's my phone you'll get it back when I say you get it back live it again bipolar unmedicated I go manic I found an axe handle in this house and I walked back down to his house and I beat the door. My mom's still upset about it. I beat the door because it was her rental. And I'm like, open the door and give me my phone back. And he's like, no. And I'm like, okay, cool. Brand new truck. I'm going to bust all the windows out if you don't give me my phone back. And he's like, okay. So I walk out to his truck. I'm like, you got three seconds. It's either you give me my stuff or I'm literally going to bust these windows out. He runs out. He gets in between me and the truck and he's like, don't do it. And I'm like, okay, you got three seconds and your choices are give me my phone or I'm swinging. If you're still standing here, that's on you. He doesn't do it. I swing. <gasps> I busted his phone so bad the Apple battery fell out. It was in his pocket. And he claims that I cracked a rib. I don't know. But oh, wait, you hit him with the axe? He didn't move. Well, axe handle. It was a wooden handle. It wasn't a whole axe. But wait. he didn't move. Wait, where did you hit him? Well, I just swung. It hit him in the hip first and it shattered his iPhone. And then oh my just, God. A more, just a couple more swings. It wasn't anything crazy. And <laughs> so then I was like, wow, I'm insane. So I got to leave. And I just threw the handle down and went to leave. And he picked it up and he threw it. When he threw it, it boomeranged and it hit me in the back of my leg so hard that I still have tendon problems. <laughs> it dropped me. And so... <laughs> So he pins me. And at that point, pure terror, because I did not know what was going to happen next. So I was like, I will scream, let me up and let me leave and give me my phone. He refuses to give me my phone. I leave. I end up blacklisting my phone so he can't use it because he guessed my passcode and just was going through all my stuff. And so for him, like not to call the cops and press charges on me, he made me buy him a new phone because I had shattered his. So I had to buy me a new phone and him a new phone. I was very upset about it. So I was living with my best friend's mom for a little while, trying very hard to just like somehow get away from him and stay away. That's all I want to do is like get away and stay away. And I can't figure out how to. So I go back and live with him and we're trying to work things out. And 
It's just insane to say that now. We finally to move down there because I had gotten a new job. I start my new job. He starts his new job. I'm miserable. I know I don't want to be in this relationship. I can't figure out why I keep coming back. So I was about to ask why you decided to get back with him after all of this. I didn't even understand it in it. Like, I don't, I don't still don't know to this day why. But the only thing I can figure is, A, I never had a real adult relationship with a normal dynamic before him. And I, I know this isn't a normal dynamic, but normal seeming because the one guy that I was off and on with for so long stayed in jail and was an addict and like constantly was trying to get it together. But we could never physically be together because he always stayed in jail. And then I had one other relationship prior to that. We were 18 and we were kids, but we never like intertwined our lives. We both lived with our parents. So this was my first like real adult relationship. And every single time something psychotic, crazy happened like that, the love bombing would come after. And I feel like my brain was so pulled in so many different directions. It was easy to forget the trauma because it was getting masked with the love bombing. Because every time he did crazy stuff like this, he took me on a fun trip. I went to Puerto Rico, I went to Chicago, I went to Jamaica, and he would buy me new phones. He would buy me stuff, cars. Like I would get to go on these cool trips, but it was to mask all the trauma because he was trying to overshadow it. I don't want to be here, but because he's a felon, I signed up for everything in my name. Dummy, it's my birthday. I want to go do something exciting for my birthday. He promises to take me to Costa Rica. I say, okay, Bex, I've always wanted to go to Costa Rica. We get in this huge fight. He's being super verbally abusive. And he flips me over the recliner and he pins me up and he grabs me by the throat. And I'm like, I've got to get out of this relationship. And so he goes to work. I pack everything and I leave me and my dogs he comes home from work discovers I'm gone calls me I still have the voicemail posted it on TikTok recently and he's like answer the fucking phone like he's going in and he's snapping I was terrified in that moment I went to my cousin's house and had a whole breakdown on her kitchen floor I hid my car behind her house because I didn't want him to find me lost it and I was terrified two three weeks go by and he says I'm not helping you I had moved back in with my brother in my house that I own. And they were like, we're going to split bills then. And I was like, well, it's not fair. You guys are a family of three and it's just me. And then I've got my ex who says, everything's in your name. I'm not paying anything. Good luck to your credit. So unless you split the bills with me, then you're SOL. And so I'm like, so I'm paying bills in two households and really don't feel in place in any one of them. I get COVID before COVID really hits the news. I'm so sick in bed and I beg everyone to take me to the hospital and no one will. Everyone's busy or doesn't feel like it or, or what what have you. They're like, oh, we'll just wait a little while. Just, we'll take you in a little while. Look, I'm at eight and three days. Can someone please take me to the hospital? Well, guess who comes as my knight in shining armor and drives to take me to the hospital and stays with me all night? My ex, because he's trying to get back in my good graces. So he does that. I'm like, okay great love that for me so then naturally his plan worked and I went back home because I was paying bills in two households go back home and I'm like I hate it here I start therapy. The first thing I tell my therapist at that session is I'm in an abusive relationship and I don't know how to get out of it. And every time I leave, I go back and I don't know what to do. I need your help. So I start seeing her once or twice a week. Like I'm determined. And from February to September, we do therapy at least once a week so I can try to figure out how to get out of this. I left him two or three more times. And this time I'm pretty resolved. Like, I okay, this is like toward, this is the end. And my therapist was like, do you think you're going to go back him I was like I really don't want to I don't think so but I'm not I'm not set in stone like I'm not 100% and I don't know why and she's like okay so then about a week goes by and I'm pretty resolved like yeah I'm not I'm solid like I'm not going back to him okay his stepdad 
had bone marrow cancer and then gets COVID and dies from complications in the ICU because they had to stop his cancer treatments to treat him for COVID. And the cancer was so aggressive and the COVID and his immune system just couldn't handle it. He passes away. I go with him to his stepdad's funeral because it was like the week we broke up. So I'm like, okay. So I go, we put on a good face for his family, whatever. His family knew how we felt, but I don't know to what extent. So fast forward, it's the middle of August now. And I haven't really talked to him a whole lot. I know he's been couch surfing with friends because he doesn't want to like go stay with his mom or whatever. And I think my cousin or someone told me that his grandpa had passed away. His grandpa had pancreatic cancer and he tripped and fell in the bathroom and like broke his hip and then ended up in the hospital, then ended up with COVID and then ended up passing away from these complications. So he asks me to go with him to his grandpa's funeral and I'm like, okay. So I go with him to his grandpa's funeral and my car like had some sort of issue and he had um, fixed my car for me and he thought that that meant we were like going to get back together. And I was like, no, no, I appreciate you fixing my car. We're not, we're not getting back together though. Thanks so much for the offer um a-okay so about a week goes by my cousin calls me and she's like i need to talk to you about something serious and i'm like okay what's up he had called her and told her he had cancer <gasps> so i'm like what and she's like you need to come over here and talk to him he's at my house so i ride over there i talk to him he's boohoo crying has me and my cousin 100 convinced that he possibly has cancer he says that he went to the er for chest pains they referred him to a cardiologist because something came back on the scan and they're not sure what it is, but it looks like a tumor. And they're not sure if it's benign or malignant. And I'm like, hey, hey, great. That's awful. I'm boohoo crying because I feel bad. This man just lost his stepdad and his grandfather to cancer. And now he has cancer too. And he finds this out. And I'm the asshole that just kicked him out, made him be homeless. Like, that's how I internalized that. So naturally, I'm like, well, why don't you just come back? If, if you're going to die anyway, why don't you just come back and die at my house? Like, it's okay. <laughs> Oh my god! And he's like, "Are you serious?" And I'm like, "Well, if you just don't have that long to live, I've dealt with you for this long. I can deal with you for a few more months." <laughs> and he's like, "You are an asshole." And I'm like, "Yeah, I kind of am, but that's how I feel about you." So he comes back. He moves in. Questions start. When's your doctor's appointments? Do you want me to go with you? Like, what? What's the treatment plan? What do they say? Da, 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 da. No answers. Gets mad and shuts me down every time I ask. Goes to the cardiologist. I don't believe he's there. I ask him to send me a picture of him at the cardiologist. He sends me a selfie. The selfie, when you go on the iPhone photos and you swipe up, you can see the lab location. He is at Marshland Apartments, three blocks away from the actual cardiologist. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. And I'm like, you're not there. You're at the apartment complex, three blocks away from the cardiologist. He turns his lab locations off of his iPhone photos. He goes to the cardiologist. He takes a picture of his truck in front of the cardiologist sign. And then when I ask him to send me a picture of the front desk, he sends me a picture of a desk with nothing visible. Probably the front desk of the apartments, if I had to guess. But... Anyway, I let that go. That's end of August, early September. He's still not living with me at by mid-September. So August, end of August, he goes to the cardiologist. And then supposedly he got referred to a doctor, an oncologist, and which is like four hours from us. I was like, why would they refer you to someone so far away? And he said, because they like had a payment plan since he didn't have insurance. They would like let him do payment plans or something. I don't know. And he had just bought a new truck and we wake up one morning. Well, he moved back in about mid-September. This all overlaps in my mind because it was right there at the end. And he was living with me because my cousin and him, we thought he had cancer. He moves in with me. So he's with me up until the end of September. So we're together. He's supposed to go to the place in Augusta. His truck is brand new. 
and he's supposed to have this appointment. I take off work for this appointment in Augusta because me and him keep bickering because I keep asking all these questions. He ends up waking up that morning, no truck. I don't think he planned that. I don't think he planned that. I think that that just happened. But woke up one morning, no truck. He calls me and he says, was my truck here this morning before you left for work? I'm like, I don't remember. He calls and files a police report for a stolen truck. Weeks, I think his truck's been stolen. Finally, I call the cops and ask him. His truck was repossessed and he did not want to tell me because I had just given him the payment for his truck because I thought he had cancer and he wasn't working because he kept dropping weight because I thought he had cancer and was sickly. Mind you, he never makes it to the appointment in Augusta because he supposedly has cancer and he supposedly has a stolen truck. So supposedly he called that doctor and they rescheduled it for September 8th. So then I'm at work. He supposedly goes up there with his mom or his sister or someone. I don't remember. And then they refer him to an oncologist since he doesn't have a vehicle and he doesn't have reliable transportation. They refer him to an oncologist to go ahead and take care of him since he'll be here closer to town. So then I'm like, okay, when's your doctor's appointment for the oncologist? And he's like, it's coming up soon. Da, 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 da. So I'm like, okay, you want me to go with you? And he's like, I want to do this by myself. You're being so pushy. I don't like dealing with this. And I'm like, we've shared our lives together for three years and now I'm pushy. Anyway, so he supposedly goes to the doctor in Waycross and I check his location while I'm at work and he really sits in that doctor's office parking lot for an hour. He's committing to the bit. We got to give him that. (laughs) I'm texting him and I'm like, I want to talk to the doctor. Call me. He said, there's a sign that says no visitors and no phones because of covid and i'm like no phones they mean like if you're talking to the receptionist don't be on your phone call me while you're in the visitation room and let me talk to the doctor he keeps calling and hanging up and saying he has bad cell reception so then he says he goes by there and he tells them that i want to talk to the doctor and they won't let him sign a medical release form because i have to be present i was like that's bs you're lying. I know for a fact you don't need someone there to sign a medical release form. You can just give them their info. And he's like, whatever. You think you know everything. So I call the doctor while he's supposedly there. And I say, hey, my boyfriend actually signed a release form for me to talk to the nurse. Could you just check and make sure it's up to date and on file? Because I really just have a question he forgot to ask at his visit this morning. Sure. What's his name? What's his social? Um. What's his address? I'm sorry, could you give me his phone number? She's like, Do you are you sure you have the right office? Uh, I'm not I'm sure. He said this is, you know, doctor such and such's office. This is it. And she's like, Yeah. Give me give me his info one more time. We go through it all again. And she's like, Ma'am, I'm I'm sorry. We don't have a patient by that name. You said he was here this morning? I'm like, Yeah, 1030 was his appointment. She said, Ma'am, I've been here all morning and we haven't even taken a morning appointment yet. Okay. Thanks so much. Hang up. And I'm like, you know what? Call the cardiologist. Same thing. I'm sorry, ma'am. I think you might have the right, the wrong office. Maybe you should call the other cardiologist here in town. Nope. This is the one. This is the date of his appointment. Ma'am, I'm sorry. I I think you need to double check with him. Okay, thanks. Call the people in Augusta with the oncologist supposedly referred him to the oncologist in Waycross. Same bit same answers i'm like well no he had an appointment on september 8th ma'am the doctor was in surgery on september 8th she was not seeing patients oh okay 
thanks. So I'm like, wow, you are a liar. You have fake cancer. And he's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, side note, he took nursing classes before he caught a felony. So he knew what he was talking about. He told me he had a malignant tumor in the pericardium of his heart and it had metastasized in his lymph nodes and spread throughout his body. And he had a 17% chance of survival. All right. Okay. So he's like, you don't know what you're talking about. That's against HIPAA. They can't tell you that. So then I'm like, you know what? And I call them all back and I say, hey, is it against HIPAA for you to tell me he's not a patient? And she's like, no, HIPAA only protects patients. If he's not in our system, there's nothing to protect. I can't protect a patient I don't have. Oh, okay, thank you. Click. So then I'm like, you cancer faking ill effort. Okay, bet. <laughs> so I call him out on it. I tell his sister. I tell his mama. I tell everybody like he fake cancer. They're like, no, no, no. He's really sick. He's really sick. And I'm like, well, he's really dropping weight, but I don't think he's sick. So I still don't know why he's dropping weight yet. And so then fast forward, I've just been like, you know, you need to get out of my house. And he's like, you're messed up. You're going to kick someone out with cancer just because you don't believe them. You're such a heartless person. You're going to see and you're, you better feel sorry. When I die, you better apologize. And I'm like, apologize to whom? And I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, okay, psycho. He's like, I'm refusing treatment. Okay. He's like, I, before I knew that he was faking, he was like, you need to stop accusing me of faking. Like, you're you're so heartless and all this extra and I'm refusing treatment. I was upset initially before I knew he was faking. So I was like, why would you refuse treatment? That's awful. And he's like, to help you get ahead in life with my life insurance policy. That in hindsight, he probably doesn't have. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and um, so I kick him out. This is like mid-September. And then we don't speak for about a month. And then October 31st, Halloween, my favorite holiday. I'm out with my friends in Savannah, Georgia, and I get an email from him. He's like, this email's for your eyes only. Don't ever share it with the world. And it's this long email. I'm actually looking at it. And the bit about the cancer, it's on and on and on. But the bit about the cancer says... I refused cancer treatment because I knew that you needed to be taken care of and I couldn't do it. And we split before I can start this new job. You deserve the world. And now I can give you a leap ahead without you ever having to struggle or worry for a while. I just hope there's a life after this because I want to see you again someday. A lifetime wouldn't have been enough with you, but I'm hoping eternity will be. Don't cry for me. Just live your life and do everything that makes you happy. <laughs> It just goes on and on and on. And then I was like, okay, so send me the paperwork. So he sends me the worst fake doctor's note. <laughs> I don't know if you can even see. You see it's crumpled. It's a picture of a picture. Anyway, <laughs> it's the doctors. For the people that can't see it, it's giving Microsoft Word. Um, the font is Arial. It's very. So it's got his name, um, his date of birth, a fake referral number, reason malignant tumor lymphoma, treatment plan, surgical chemotherapy. Note underneath says patient refuses any treatment, unknown reasons. Follow-up plan, refer to a local oncologist. Doctor's name is misspelled. Expectancy, 9 to 14 months survival rate untreated. I've never seen a doctor's referral note give an expectancy of life, but okay. <laughs> it's They literally gave, well, if it was, it'd be an actual expiration date. Like, patient expires in 12 months. Yeah, like, okay. So, at the time, my brain is so mushed. I believe it initially. And I ask all my friends and I'm like, does this look real? And everyone's like, no, you're stupid. It's not real. And I'm like, oh, okay. It kind of looks fake. And they're like, it looks really fake. You're dumb. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Well, I end up 
trying to be there for him, trying to figure out if it's real. So I scanned the note. Like I was trying to be there for him for like a week. And then I was like, you know what? I'm about to find out if this is real or not. So I can finally settle this in my mind. I scanned the note. I send it over to the doctor that referred him. And I send it over to the doctor he was referred to. The doctor that referred him was the one that was in surgery. The doctor he was referred to is the one that he sat in the parking lot of that he never showed up to, um, that they didn't have any record of him. So I tell his mama and his sister and everybody else, and his mama says, well, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about his drinking problem. Okay. And then his sister says, well, I guess he just really wanted you to believe that he had cancer. (laughs) Is no one concerned? He's lying about having cancer. Like you just... His mom just lost her husband and her dad, and his sister just lost her grandpa and her stepdad, and you, no one's concerned? No one cares? Okay. All right. That's fine. I'll be the Looney Tune then. And uh, so I cut contact. I won't speak to him. Three months go by. He had this atrocious bus. It was like a 40-foot charter bus that had a bunch of his stuff in it that I basically packed up everything that was left in the house and put it into that bus. And was waiting on him to come get it. He never got it. I told my therapist, I said, if it's still here after January 1st, 2021, I'm posting it on Swap and Shop. So I did. He calls the cops on me. They threatened to press charges because it's not mine. And I haven't filed for property claim at the courthouse. So I take the post down. He comes in the middle of the night. He moves the bus to a different part of my property and slices my tires. I wake up the next morning. There is a box of straight razors on the dash of the bus the bus is locked and i have a sliced tire they said they couldn't prove that he did it because the straight razor doesn't prove that even though the tire was cut in the sidewall the straight razor would need to be there would need to be a loose straight razor on the like basically on the concrete next to my tire to prove like a correlation i'm like you guys are so useless thank you so much well he gets his bus and Side note, the night we broke up, it got really physical um, when I finally kicked him out and was done with him because he just, it's, it's too much. It would take like 20 minutes to explain. Basically, he's a psycho Looney Tune and I snapped again. He kept trying to force me to let him sleep next to me after he lied to me and was out all night and I wouldn't let him sleep next to me. I told him to go take the spare room. He wouldn't. He tried to snatch me off the bed. He did snatch me off the bed. So I stood up. He laid down and was like, come to bed. So then I snatched him off the bed. And then he was like in my face and there was a basket of his clean clothes and I like knocked them over with my hand. And I was like, you're going to stop treating me like this in my house. When you start paying bills here, maybe you could tell me when to turn the lights out. But guess what? You don't pay this light bill. So you're not going to tell me what to do in my house that I own. Thank you. And so then he was like, and now pick all this shit up and you could do what the fuck I say and like just being hateful. So I lost it and I smiled and I said, okay, bet. And so I sit down in the floor and I fold every single one of his clothes and I fold them in the basket and I put them in the basket and I walk out to the yard and I throw them in the yard. I said, now you can go pick all this stuff up. And the second you step foot out the store, you're getting locked out. Good luck. And so (laughs) good for you. Good for you. He walks out to do it. I lock the door. He kicks the door in. I call the cops. They're like, well, the door looks old. I'm like, do you guys do anything at all? At all. So fast forward. Now it's January. He gets his bus. He wants the dog, Koji. I'm like, he's not getting my dog. The cops are like, you have to give him the dog. It's like, I don't. You guys didn't give me the dog. So I'm not giving him the dog. And they're like, okay, you're going to have to sue her for the dog. That's all you can do. 
And he's like, okay. And I'm like, okay. He does sue me. He files a civil suit, sues me for my dog. So I spend like a month prepping. I have a whole binder on this dog. I've got all the proof of receipts for every vet visit, every doggy daycare, like every dog food purchase, everything that I've got on this dog. And then I had like details of the abuse and the threats and threatening to kill him, threatening to drown him, like all that stuff in a binder. And he knows how I am. So he knew that I would prepare a binder. So it was really just a psychological thing to get me to spend a month prepping a binder go to court the night before court he had his sister message my cousin to tell me he would not be going to court that he was going to let me keep koji which i also think was a psychological thing i think he intended to basically ride by the courthouse if he didn't see my car he would go and get claims to koji and then if he did he just wouldn't show up because he knew he would look stupid so i go to court anyway he doesn't show the judge glances at my binder case dismissed <laughs> he does not even try to look at it and um so that was our last contact. That was February of 2021. And then I bought a new car and I come home from work one day in April of 2021. And him and his sister are sitting across from my house, just watching my house. And so I hop out the car and I got to walk over there to be like, what are you guys doing? Like, can I help you? And they drive off and he turns around and he like stares through the back glass of her car and is like, and just like throws his hand up to wave. And I'm like, what a weird man. And I have not heard from him since, except for March of 2023, when he called me to tell me he was stranded in Jamaica. And I blacked out and told him that I hope he died there. <laughs> I, I said a lot more than that, but I don't think your listeners want to hear everything I said. But <laughs> yeah. Damn. So. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I'm really sorry about like, the last part is kind of like, it, like you said, it's Looney Tunes where he's faking cancer. It's l bonkers. But the first half, like you really endured textbook domestic violence. And I think so many victims can relate to you in the sense that they just keep coming back. And whether that's for safety reasons, or they just feel like they are supposed to be with that person, there's just that cycle of abuse where you keep going back. So I'm wondering, have you really dove into the why as to why you kept going back to him? I know you referred to it as a trauma bond, but when you would go back, was it just because you missed him or what was going on there? No, I really didn't miss him. I I mean, I really think it was mainly the trauma bond. I didn't I didn't miss him at all. I would actively be telling my friends and family, I don't want to go back to him. I would be telling myself, what are you doing? Like, this doesn't make any sense. There was a couple of times I went back for, for different reasons. Like, for example, when I'm paying bills in two households and he's threatening to destroy everything and it's in my name. Um, and then... There was there was a couple times that I went back and it was just nothing more than convenience. Like I, there was one time when I was unemployed and he was paying the bills. And so I was like, well, I don't, I'm tired of couch surfing and, you know, I don't have to worry about my dogs here. In hindsight, yes, you did. I mean, I'm pretty sure he almost killed me in Puerto Rico one time, but he didn't. So almost is is bad enough, but <laughs> I know it's easy to make it. Easy. Well, he didn't kill me. Well, he could have. The thing is, for so long, he convinced me that I wasn't in a domestic violence situation because it was easy for me to paint domestic violence as women who get beat on like you're coming home from work or or he's coming home from work and he's punching you in the face and you, you know, are putting makeup on and you're hiding bruises. You've got black eyes. You're in fear. You're cowering. You're in a very victim mentality. And I feel like that domestic violence is what's painted in movies and pictures. And that's what people think. So it's easy for narcissists and abusive men to say, well, you're just playing victim. I don't hit you because he never hit me in the face. The night we broke up, he hit me in the back of the head and I headbutted him. And a lot of the times they'll say, well, you fight back or you, 
you know, you're not scared of me because you do this, that, and this and that. But reactive abuse is real. And I didn't know anything about it until I did more research with my therapist. And the name calling, like, I'm, if you call me names, I'm going to call you names. If you're hateful to me, I'm going to be hateful to you. So essentially, I didn't realize I was in a domestic violence situation for a long time because he would always convince me that we were both toxic, we were both abusive, and that I just wanted to play victim for attention and that he wasn't an abuser because he didn't hit me in the face or he didn't he didn't hit me and he's sorry that I bruise like an apple when he throws things at me and I throw things back when he throws things at me and just I just didn't realize how have you worked through this like are, are you in therapy after that whole experience like I know you talked about being in therapy while you're in the relationship but after you were done like what did you have to work through once the relationship had finally ended so the therapist that I started with in February 2020 I stayed with her until March of 2023. At that point, we decided to go separate ways. Um, I still love her, but I still went to her weekly until we switched to bi-weekly about middle of 2022. And we worked through a lot. And I still think that a lot of things that happened in that relationship, especially as being my first real adult relationship, has really shaped my dynamic on relationships. I did sign back up for therapy uh, maybe about six months ago, but the therapist I was with wasn't really helping and wasn't really focusing on my goals. I realize now that I have, I'm more of a fearful avoidant attacher before I'm in a relationship. And I'm very scared of intertwining my life with someone because of how hard it was to de-intertwine mine and his. And so every time things start to get real serious, I kind of bail. And um, once I'm actually in a relationship, I have anxious attachment and I'm terrified of them cheating on me or abandoning me or not thinking I'm pretty enough or thinking I'm ugly or thinking other women are prettier than me. Like basically just all the things that he had used to break me down physically about my appearance. I'm so insecure about that now. And I'm so insecure about them like abandoning or leaving me that I have severe abandonment issues and anxious attachment if I'm in a relationship. So I'm still kind of working through that and I don't really know how to fix it. I mean, I, I, I guess the blanket answer is therapy, but it's so much easier said than done. I mean, I think I think sometimes those kinds of things, you have to be able to practice them in real time with real people. So have yeah. you tried having relationships since this guy? And how has that gone for you? Um, 2021, I did try to see a guy, but he was moving too fast. And if people start to move too fast, I get sketched because of how fast my ex moved. And so I bailed on that like three months in because he was trying to stay over every night. And I was like, skirt. And I bailed. Um, we're still friends, but yeah, I just couldn't. And then I kind of casually were seeing people here and there, like the talking phase or situationships or whatever throughout um, 2021. And then 2022, I met a guy through mutual friends that was in prison with a life sentence. And I was like, this is safe. This is safe because I don't have to intertwine my life with him. I can do what I want and I can still have that emotional bond and emotional connection. So I fell in love with him. And I, I say that wholeheartedly. I talked to him from April of 2022 to August of last year. And the only reason we stopped talking is because my anxious attachment reared its head and my insecurities got the best of me. Um, we, we were very close. I went to visitation twice a month. I went to see him. I, we have photos together. Like we did our little visitation photos. We talked all the time. He called me every night before bed and we could really open up to each other and connect on an emotional intimacy level instead of physical or instead of, and for me, it was good because I don't have to intertwine my life or my day to day. And like, I don't have to worry about, oh, well, well, let me check with such and such or, you know, well, how, if I want to get out of this, like, how do I get out of this? 
and it was very safe and it made me happy because all I wanted was the emotional intimacy. About July or August, I started to get really jealous thinking he was in contact with some of his exes and I started to get real, real, real jealous. And every visitation, every phone call, it was just exhausting for me and him. Just, are you still in love with her? Like, do you think she's prettier than me? Like, are you going to leave me? Like, just very insecure, very needy, very clingy. And he's very much a dismissive avoidant attachment style. And it came to be too much for him. And we also like hated leaving each other at visitation. It was really hard for us. We missed each other a lot, especially as it got more serious to us. So I think it was just easier. He ghosted out, which did not help with the abandonment issues. I went to a visitation on a Saturday and I spent the whole visitation just just anxious and questioning and interrogating. And then I went to visitation on Sunday and he refused visitation. And I cried in front of the whole visitation room. It was so embarrassing. And I've reached out a few times and I've reached out to his parents and his brother. And he, he just doesn't want anything to do with me, which sucks. But I really ruined a good thing because of my trauma and my insecurities. And him not being able to properly process his emotions means that he was a poor communicator and he ghosted out because it was easier. That's really sad. I'm so sorry. So if he like, let's say he called you up tomorrow, you would want to be in a relationship with him. I don't think that I would jump right back in, but yeah, absolutely. I would absolutely try to discuss it with him and explain attachment styles and tell him like that wasn't cool. And uh, if he wanted me to come see him, I would come see him and we could sit down and discuss it. But I don't know that I would like jump right back in because I would always have that fear of abandonment again. Yeah. Does it, and this might be too personal of a question, so feel free to deny it, but does it bother you at all that you would, if you did go back to him and have a relationship with him, you would never be able to be physical with him in that way? It doesn't bother me because I have a hormone deficiency. So I have a lot of hormone issues and I just don't have a libido. Like I, I can very easily identify as asexual, but I don't because of the fact that I do have sexual intercourse. But I, it's like telling someone ice cream is the most amazing thing ever, but like you've tried ice cream and it's okay. <laughs> like you're not lactose intolerant, but you're not like crazy about ice cream. Yeah. Dessert. So it doesn't bother me any yeah what's he in what's he in jail for um felony murder but if you don't know how that works then felony murder is a thing where even if you didn't commit the murder if you're committing a felony and someone dies you can be charged with their murder so all the people that were there that night are serving life uh it's three of them there's actually six of them but all the men that were there that night are serving life it was basically an armed robbery gone wrong but they were not armed so <laughs> so wait they were robbing wait okay tell me what happened because now i'm curious okay so he was 21 his brother was 17 their friend was 23 of them and three girls are at this like high school party playing beer pong they lose like 500 dollars on the beer pong table they want the money back they leave they're pissed off and they're like you know what we want the money back so they're at huddle house which is basically like waffle house and they see the guy that won the money and they're like, we want the money back. And one of the girls that are driving is like, there's too many people here that will just follow him, whatever. And so they follow him to this hotel and they see him checking in and they're like waiting, waiting, waiting. And they're like, all right, we're just going to beat him up, grab the money and run. So that was their intention. Beat him up, grab the money, run. Well, what ended up happening is they went there to beat him up. And when they got up on him, he pulled out an AR-15 out of his trunk and shot their friend three times. And they tried to fight him for the gun and they couldn't. And someone with them had a pocket knife and they stabbed him and ran away and he died from his stab wounds. And now they're all serving life. Oh my God. But isn't that like self-defense? No, because they were there to commit a crime, according to one of the people that were there that night. The only version of events on record is the dude's version of events that was with them that got shot, who was trying to clear his name so that he wouldn't get a life sentence. 
he is also serving life bt dubs and um so uh according to him they were there to commit a crime and so it's considered felony murder because they were all there to steal the money back that was their intention and since a pocket knife came into play then it's considered armed robbery oh my god that's like so heartbreaking i mean a lot of things happened a lot of things went wrong they were just kids yeah yeah, uh, his brother was 17. He was 21. I think the other boy was 20 or 21. And all the girls were around that same age. And um, life in Georgia is a minimum of 30 years. And then you have parole eligibility every eight years after that. So oh, that's a bummer. Well, I hope it does work out if if you do want to get back with him. Other than that, I do hope that you find somebody <laughs> worthy of you because you've endured a lot. And I know I can see that it's produced a lot of really good character in you. So if you could leave my audience and my listeners with any advice or if you would just want to tell women in these domestic violence situations, anything like what would you want to tell them? Um, don't think that you're not in an abusive situation because it doesn't look like the abuse on the television. Do your research and learn how abusive and narcissistic men operate because they all operate under the same textbook, more or less. And if you think you're in a domestic violence situation, you probably are, because if you have to question it, you're probably already in it. Um, just just do your research and reach out to resources and do what you can to get out of it. Because I went no contact for 30 days and it was the best thing I ever did because if I could talk to him, he could manipulate me. On Thursday's Breakdown Bonus episode, we're going to cover how to identify intimate partner violence. If you're anything like this week's guest and you're questioning whether or not you're in this situation, it would be a good episode to listen to. But I will see you whenever you decide to tune in next.